The Lord's put so much on my heart for you guys, and I was in the prayer portable, um, and we were praying, and, and uh, sure enough, the prayers were, were true. The Lord has kind of put it all together. So first, first and foremost, I just want, um, I, can you guys just stand up with me? Let's just, just everyone just stand. I just want to speak something over you, and, I, and what it is is this. It's, it's, it's I really believe God is calling this church to be a city on a hill. To be a, and of course it's the same in every church, but there's something special here. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, there's something special going on here. <laughs> yeah, and, and so I'm just going to pray, and, and we're going to dive in. And what we're going to talk about today is um, helping the next generation win. Helping the next generation to, to go to, to know the love of Jesus and to, and to leap out of the gate like a gazelle into the, a world that desperately needs the Father and desperately will not find Him without that next generation. Amen? So let's just pray. Father, thank You, God, for a house of prayer. Thank You, God, for Trinity, a city on a hill. And I, Lord, I, just, I see as you, as you increase the unity in this place, the love that you give to these people, this beautiful church, the revelation of your love, Lord, may it, may it increase the love we have for one another and the, the revelation of the authority we have, therefore, through you, Jesus Christ. I pray that every distraction would flee, that every fear would be gone, and that nothing but your freedom, your righteousness, your peace, and your joy would remain this morning. We pray, Lord, for changed minds and changed hearts. Renewal. Renewal in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So before we dive into this topic, I just want to just start with, you know, one of the most important things and to start with, the, you know, talking a little bit about who is God. Jesus said, who do you say I am? And that's a very important thing. Who, who we believe God is, is very important. But we have to firstly figure out what he says about himself. Okay? And so uh, in, in Hebrews, God was revealed in various ways and in various degrees through the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. But in Jesus, we finally have the one who is the exact representation. So the good news is, when we see Jesus, we see the Father. Exactly how Jesus approaches things, exactly his perspective, exactly his, his heart in a matter is the heart of the Father. Why, why do we know this? Because Jesus says, nothing I do, I do on my own. What I see the Father doing, that's what I do. What I see the Father saying, that's what I'll say. And so what does, what does Jesus show us? He shows us that when John wrote in the third chapter of 1 John that God is love, that is the essence. That is the, the best way we can understand who God is. Everything has to be rooted in this, in this reality. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. 
And so we see God is love. And as we see this, as we grow in this reality, we then can give it away. You know, for me personally, I had a bit of a tough childhood. And, uh, and, and, and like a lot of us, I would say, had some issues with my dad. And that was very, very hard to forgive. Very hard. But it became very easy as I understood what the good news of Jesus really was. Not just forgiveness of sins, not just an, a, a, a removal of shame, but a restoration to my true father, a restoration in my identity, no longer what dad says. There's an opinion that trumps anyone's. Amen? And it's the opinion of God Almighty, our creator. And that opinion from the one who is love is that of not just forgiveness, right? The word of God says that he became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness. And so today, because God is love, we are righteous. That's a tough one. A lot of us, we struggle with that one. And I would say a big part of it is, is actually what I'm going to talk about today, which is helping the next generation win. And, and some of the ways that we do that well, and, I, and the one way I believe with all my heart that we can, we can actually really impact, okay? So I, wanna, I just want to start with a, a little scripture, and, it, and it, just to give a little bit of background on, um, on sort of understanding this rooting of God being love. Okay, because one of the big things the next generation and really every generation, I really believe, ha struggles with when we look at the Word of God is sort of, sort of this duality between the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament. So what's up with that? Why, is, why does it seem like he's upset over here and he's really like happy over here, right? <laughs> Isn't that true? And we can be honest, right? We're family. It's, it's okay. So I'm just going to go to Exodus 32. Verse 27. And so the backstory of this scripture right here. If you got your Bibles, please grab your Bibles. But I'm sure they're going to put that up there too. Technology. That's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> backstory really quick. I want to go through this quickly. Is Moses goes to the mountain to talk to God. Face to face it says. Actually a beautiful passage in, in, uh, in Exodus 32. Please read it. It's incredible because it says he spoke face to face with him as a friend. As a friend. So we see that even though God is working in time, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's working in time with his creation, and he, but he's still showing who he is. He's one that desires to speak face-to-face -face as a friend with you, with me, and with Moses. But in, in, uh, in verse 27, okay, Moses comes down from the mountain, okay, and... and they're, like Moses is gone for like five minutes, okay? He's up there, and, and so quick. They say to, they say to Aaron, um, we don't know where Moses went. We're kind of lost, basically. So can you make us a god that we can worship? Because this is kind of like they're functioning again in their own understanding. They're functioning in the way they think they're supposed to be. And, and the crazy part, if you ever notice this, is Aaron actually says okay. 
Like this is, this is the guy that Moses picks, right? He says, yeah, okay, yeah. Bring me your jewelry, bring me your gold and, and I'll melt it down. And then he melts it down. He, sh- he actually says he carves it uh, a calf. So he, clearly he's, he's got some craftsmanship going. Moses comes back. Moses gets angry. Aaron says, don't be angry with me. I don't know. You know these guys are sinful. They gave me all this gold. I put it in the fire. And this is actually what he says. It's pretty funny. He goes, and a calf came out. Which, of course, we know just from a couple verses before that he crafted the thing. But he's afraid. And, and so he doesn't tell the truth. Um, okay. And then Moses says this. Okay. In, in verse 27. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord... The God of Israel says, Each man strap a sword to his side and go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. And, and, you, and you see this, that this is the Levite. This is the Levite tribe, okay? So right before that, Moses stands up. He says, Who's for God? All the Levites run. Everyone else gets destroyed. Um, and the Levite means the priesthood, Okay. So, wh- what happens is, is pretty extreme. <laughs> this is God saying, go out with a sword, okay, and, and destroy your brothers. The, th- the thing is, though, is that the Levitical priesthood is in that time totally, totally um, under what would be called the ministry of condemnation. Okay, so... You know, what that means is um, sin is bad. This, I'm going to give you the basic. Sin is bad and it has to be punished. It has to be punished. Okay? What happens though in Jesus is that Jesus fully pays for the sin. And that, but there's a scripture and it's in... in uh, in John 16, it's incredible. He's saying this. He's saying to the disciples, I know I'm jumping forward here, so go, go about like 800 years past that. Um, he says to the disciples, he says, you guys are filled with grief because I'm telling you that I'm going, but don't worry. I tell you, it is for, for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, this is John 16, verses 7 to 11. When he comes, check this out. He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of the world now stands condemned. So who stands condemned? The prince of the world. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. And listen to this. About sin, because you don't believe in me. And so now we see that in Christ, he he who became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, has narrowed the playing field and caused every single sin that you and I have ever done, past, present, future, to actually hang on one simple thing, which is faith in Christ. 
That's the deciding factor. Believe in Christ, believe in what he's done, or we don't. And that's the choice, that's the, that's the beauty of the gospel. That we actually have a way where there seemed to be no way. We actually have a choice where there seems to be no choice. You know, Paul says in, in Romans, I, don't, I do what I don't want to do. And, and what I want to do, I seem not be able to be able to do. And then he goes right in and he, and he gives us the answer. Why is that? Well, it's because Paul was still learning, like a lot of us are. I would say all of us to some degree. Learning that the gospel is really actually good news. And it actually is 100% true. That Jesus has actually fully atoned for every single thing you'll ever do. And that through faith in Jesus, there's no condemnation. Romans 8.1 said there is therefore now no condemnation for those for who? For those that are in Christ Jesus. I love, I love the purple, by the way. Little, little detail that I'm, I'm sitting there going. I love this. Because you know it represents the royal priesthood. It represents you in Christ. Right? And so here's, here's the heart of what the Holy Spirit was showing me as I was, as I was sitting there. And, and it was so funny because I was telling Lori all these different messages. And I told Wayne here all these different things that God was showing me. And... and uh, and I really, again, I, I really believe that you, that God is positioning you guys, mothers, fathers, to, to have such a revelation of the truth of his good news, such a revelation in your personal life, in, in your private time with the Lord, such a freedom when no one's looking, such a joy, such a peace that out of your heart would flow living water into the, into the lives of the people around you. It wouldn't be an effort or a, a struggle anymore. Amen? It wouldn't be hard anymore. And, and you know, talk about the next generation. I, I mean, I talk to a lot of young people. I spend most of my time with young people. I have kids now, so. But, uh, you know, it... People don't want to hear about a gospel that doesn't work down here. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to hear about just heaven. And I would say Jesus didn't, didn't come to bring us a gospel that just speaks of a future. Jesus brought heaven down here so that we can actually release it. But, but here's the thing, again, remember this. You can't give away what you don't have. You just can't. You know, like you think of your kids, you think of your neighbors, you think of your friends. You want to you change the world, right? Amen? We want to impact the city, right? But, but here's, here's, here's part of the mystery. And this is, this is the, you know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we're hearing a lot about being in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. So what, is that, what does that look like? Why is it that when we get born again, the Holy Spirit just puts this desire in us to love and to reach people that no one's reaching? 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because it, it's not only possible, it's his plan. But, and this is very important, he wants you more than what you can do. He wants you more than what you can do. You know, as men, speak to the guys just for a second, as men I would say, and probably some ladies too, um, we, we often are kind of overextending what we're doing. We're, we like the work of our hands. We like to do, do, and go, go, go. You know? And I love the prayer emphasis here. I love that. Because I think God is more concerned about what he's doing in us than what he can do through us. And actually what he can do through us will flow from what he's doing in us. I want you to go to Malachi. Go to the end of the Old Testament for me. Right at the end, Malachi 3 or 4. I love the Bible, but definitely not one of those guys that can stand up and quote it. I hear we have some of those guys here. That's great. You guys can teach me a thing or two. Check this out. This is incredible. I'm just going to read it out loud. And, and, uh, and again, remember, we're talking about helping the next generation win. And the, and, and the main message of this is, is that if, if, before I read this, that if we make it all about reaching them, we will reach no one. But if we make it all about being touched and reached by the Father who gave it all for you, if we make it about our relationship with Him, uh, one way to say it is vertical. Vertical relationship will give you a horizontal favor. When He really is Lord in your life, that's how abundance flows. Jesus say, said, I came to give you life, to give it abundantly. So as He becomes your Lord, you have favor. You have abundance. What does it mean to have Him as your Lord? It means you believe what He says. So, it, you know, anyone that's in this room that's sitting at home and, and you're involved in a sin and, and you're involved in a thing that makes you feel like garbage, guess what? Jesus actually picked you up. He dusted you off and he's eternally, if you believe in Jesus Christ, he has eternally cleansed you. And that, that nature has been removed. That nature is gone and you're new in Christ. And as you believe that gospel, as you believe that he has not just forgiven you, but put his kingdom inside of you, cleansed you, made you brand new, that those things will just, they'll just get away. They'll just, they'll just leave. They, they have no power. They have zero power. You know, the enemy's like, uh, he's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. He's a lot of talk with no you know, you go, go behind the curtain a little bit, you know, and you realize this is silliness. You know, we don't have to be stuck. Amen? We don't have to be stuck. Sin's a funny thing, though. It's not just the sin of our hands, right? It's the sin of our heart. It's the sin of our mind. Fatherlessness is a, is a, is a, is a reality that, you know, if you interview, doesn't matter how old the person is. That father thing is what he wants to restore. The heart of the father. He loves you so much. I remember one time I was praying. 
I was, you know, one of my biggest prayers, and it's, it's, a, it's one of those catch-22s because you pray it and then it happens and you're like, whoa, that's intense. But one of them is break my heart for what breaks yours. Break from my heart, your, my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. And I remember I was sitting in a park and I was just hanging out. And I saw this woman. She was feeding the birds. And, uh, and I, I, I just saw her. Have you ever seen someone, like really seen them? Not, not just on the outside, but I, I just saw her. And I, just, I was on this other bench. And, and, the, and the Lord showed me that this, this woman, he looks at her like we look at little babies. You ever look at a little baby just like, oh, so precious, so beautiful, so full of potential, limitless. You know, I, I love that word, it's never too late, because it never is too late. And, he, and I saw her heart, and I, I walked over, and I, I blessed her, and I, I, I asked to pray with her, and she said yes, and doesn't, I don't need to get into details, but, but that's his heart. He made you. He formed you. He created you before he laid the foundations of the earth. And so guilt is gone. We need to stop choosing it. We need to stop being so hard on ourselves. We need to, you know, you talked about being overworked. We need to, we need to take an afternoon off and go to the park. Have some fun. Amen? That's, I want to dive into this scripture here. I'm going to go 4, verse 2. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. That's the resurrection, guys. And you will go out. Say go. Go. And leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. Who's, who's the wicked? Remember who stands condemned? That's the enemy. They will be like ashes under the soles of your feet. A promise we see in the garden. On the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And here it is, guys. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Praise God, he has come and, and he has, has brought life in Jesus. And that life turns our hearts to one another. You know, that's what I experienced in this place when I'm sitting there watching you guys pray for one another, watching you guys just feeling just his delight for, for you, for you in this church, for what God is doing here. His delight for you. He's not, he's more than not mad. He's delighted. There's a, there's a scripture where, remember we said Jesus represents the Father. There's a scripture where a woman comes up and says, will you heal, heal me? Jesus says, it's, it's not only, I, I'm not only willing, if you really look into that, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to restore you. But again, I think part of, 
part of the reason why we have trouble reaching the next generation is, is, is it's, it's, it's really at the core in our, in our identity. It's really at the core that we can only share what we've been shared with, what we've been given. We can only give it away. And so today I really believe that, that he wants to refresh you. He wants to change your mind about you. You know, it's that the Word of God says, repent that times of refreshing would come. And we all want to leap out of the stall like gazelles, right? We see people that are so full of life and joy and all this stuff, and we're like, man, I wish I could do that. Well, you know what? You can. I would even say more, you're built for it. You were made for joy. You were made to be freed. You were made... To, to shine. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And nor can the light be, be extinguished. Nothing can separate you from his love. And so today, if, if you have it on your heart to reach the next generation, I want you to stand up. I want you to, to stand right now, if that's your heart. It's probably everybody, but it's okay. And I just, I just want to say a few things to you. And I want to f- preface this with, with saying that the Lord would never give anybody a word that he's not going to first give. So I want you to know God's been doing this in me for a lot of years, and he's going to keep doing it. But I just want to say that you are so loved. And you are forgiven. Completely forgiven. And that is only through the blood of Jesus. It's only through his love for you. Paul said that I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come to show you how how high and how deep and how wide his love for you is. I sense in this room there's people have kids, family members that you just desperately want to see and know Jesus. Maybe even spouses. That, you know, you're wondering, how? How can I reach them? Well, here's how. Make your relationship with him so fully the center of your focus. Make your prayer life not just in public, but in private, the, the core of your, your life. See, praying is not this. It's this. It's surrender. And he's wild about you. He's wild about you. I know you're, I know you're wondering what, what I'm going to do. Just, just give me one more second. Four weeks ago, my, my, uh, my wife... A uh, friend of ours, he committed suicide. 17 years old. He was a little kid and that was in my wife's Bible school, um, like children's class. And, um, and, and that was really hard. We went to that funeral and, and um, she was just, I didn't know how to support her. And, uh, I was, but God helped me, so <laughs> he, he always does. Um, but here's a young man that um, 
that was running. Like we, when we left, the, we, we were in this other church, and, and we, when we left, he was, he was a leader. He was like engaged and involved. And, uh, and then, but no one knew. No one knew. Um, so I guess my point is, guys, there is a generation. I'm, I'm driving up here, and I'm looking at all the houses, and I'm going, man, there's thousands of people around you guys. And it's too big for us to do. Like, it's, it's too big. We can, go, we can do a million planning meetings. You can do all this strategy, and it can do nothing. Unless, unless we get this thing right. That he is so, so for you. And, it, and it's time to let the past be the past. If you're holding on to the past today, I, I promise you that you can't do both. You want the new, you've got to let go of the old. You, you want the joy, you've got to let go of the sorrow. You, you want the love, you've got to let go of the hate. You want forgiveness, you've got to forgive. So today, I just, I just want you just to close your eyes. Just put your hands out. And, just, and I don't know what you need, but he does. And I, I've sensed some things this morning. But I just, I pray, Holy Spirit, that for a fresh impartation of what only you could give. That for myself, for these beautiful people, you would show us how loved we are. That we could look in the mirror like the psalmist David and say, how beautifully and wonderfully have I been made and actually mean it. And so that from the moment that we open up our eyes again, we would look on each other in different ways, in fresh ways. We would see into the hearts. We would not see each other based on our weaknesses, but based on the gift, the strengths. Father, we just pray that you show us who you are. Show us that as you sent the helper, you sent the advocate, and that you have fully, fully made us new. And now as we, we rub shoulders with the next generation as we impart, as we make it about them, as we cheer them on, as we, we put them on our shoulders, Lord, like the shepherd does for the, with the lost sheep, as we, as we pick up those that, that, that just don't, don't believe in themselves, we pick up that cross and we say, we're willing. We're willing to, to lay down our lives, God, because you did it for us to reach people that no one's reaching. And I thank you for Trinity and I pray and plead your blood that that brand new would be our mindset, Lord, that every single day we would allow in this place what you're doing in, in the new and that we would just, this lifestyle of letting go with, of that which is old perspective, embracing that which is new and forever. Your word never, ever changes. And you have come to save. So I bless this place. I thank you for these amazing people. And for your word. Pray blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much.